Welcome to the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast. A podcast where we teach you to roar like a mother. And by roar, we mean recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and reinforce these ideas with your kids. Unless you want to growl around your house. I mean, that's cool too. <laughs> You're like, check it, we keep it reels. <laughs> that's so bad. You're awesome. Mama Bear Apologetics is a listener-supported program, so if you like what we do, head on over to the Mama Bear Apologetics website and click support. It's time to rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mama Bear Apologetics. I am Hillary, and I have a special guest with me. Corey Cooper of Skillet. Hello, Corey. <laughs> Hello, everybody. How's it going? And so this is one of those things that I have wanted. I've wanted to talk to Corey for a while just because um, one of the things that uh, I've heard Mama Bears talk about so much is what do we do with these crazy schedules? How do we make time for intentional discipleship? How do we make time for our marriages and for our kids? How do we usher them through the, <laughs> the tween and teen years? Um, with, uh, while still kind of combating all the stuff that we see going on with, in culture. So we're just going to talk to Corey about how she and John have managed to do it, um, how she's maintained intentionality in her parenting uh, as they were on these really crazy tour schedules. So first off, um, Corey, give us a little bit of background of, of you, your, your Christian background, maybe how you started with Skillet, um, and an idea of what tour season is like, because I think that would be interesting. <laughs> Tour season is like when you have three little kids at home, <laughs> a little bit. Um, let's see. Uh, I was raised in a Christian family. So um, around five years of age is when I gave my life to the Lord and also a pastor's kid. So um, kind of growing up, looking at other pastor's kids and thinking, what's going on there? I don't want to be like that. And I um, just wanted to live for God. You know, I don't know. I, and also, you know, growing up, you're like, what's your testimony? I'm like, I gave my life to Jesus when I was young and I just wanted to live for him. I've got the boring one, you know, like there's not like too. the dramatic That's mine. I'm like, no one wants to hear that. It wasn't until <laughs> I was older that I was like, this is a really rare testimony. And I can be proud of this testimony because it's that there's not many people that have it. And I always wanted, like when I was in high school, they always brought in the people who had like some gnarly testimony. And I remember thinking, totally. What happened to the people who grew up in the church and grew up loving the Lord? Like, are they not on fire anymore? Like, I don't want that to happen to me. I want to be on fire when I'm still that age. Like, what happened to all of them? So, yay, kudos yes. for that. This is this is why we get along so well. I know, right? Um, <laughs> kindred spirits. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I kind of just grew up, and I don't. Know, I'm of an era where in the church, you know, in my teenage years, was kind of like, what's your destiny? What does God have for you? So when what I was younger, the will of God? Like, that was the big question. What is the will of God for you? Like, I don't know. I don't know who it's I am or what is will plan. for me. Yeah, <laughs> and then you yeah. had to discover and it. it. <laughs> that's right. And it was so, um, you know, individualistic, you know what I mean? Which is fine. Cause when you're younger, that's kind of all you see is yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, in the journey, um, my parents were great, you know, rewinding a little bit, they both loved God and they lived it. So that was really the the biggest most impactful thing is my, my parents didn't necessarily um prevent me but they just lived a life i mean we had they had five kids um and like i said my dad's a pastor so you know it's not like you're raking in the dough or anything yeah. but we always had like families living with us people who like the husband was a, a drug addict and stealing the baby's formula and so they got moved into our house or mm. honestly growing up our the door was never locked and live was never locked people could always come in Mealtime was 
almost always living a life. My dad would get calls at two in the morning to go, mm. you know, somebody's in prison now, whatever. So I grew up like that. You know, Saturdays were um, this community garden that we had. So Saturday was like, you go to the garden and on the way we pick up um, women who were in like a homeless shelter. And then, so now they can have food. It, that just was like normal growing up life. Um, and my so parents cool. just love that. And what, what yeah, they I got to ask, what position are you in the five, in the, the five kids? I'm the second, second oldest. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and probably personality wise, well, this doesn't show cause I'm more the introverted one, kind of the quiet thinker, my older sister is like classic oldest. And I always was like, she's so cool and so bold. And I'm always like, don't want to go up to McDonald's and ask for ketchup. Cause like, I don't want to bother anybody. <laughs> I'm like, Can you go, go give me some ketchup. Anyway. So that's kind of I more, more like a peacemaker in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm more kind of like, why, why would we fight? You know, it, even when we would fight and she would punch me, I'm like, I'm not going to punch her back because then she's just going to punch me back again. Like this is just pointless. So anyway, I punched her back once. She punched me back. I'm like, see, I knew this would happen. This is a way to resolve conflict as a child. But I was just a weird thinking type person. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the book of Ecclesiastes. My parents always made us read Proverbs. Proverb a day. I grew up reading a Proverb a day. So I, I, it fascinated me that if you seek the Lord, you will, you will find him. Mm-hmm. And if you seek for wisdom and ask for it, you will have it. So I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I want that. So even as a young person, I'm like, I really want wisdom. Um, I prayed for an eternal perspective because I wanted my life to count for something other than just for myself. I'm like, I guess, you know, gifts are, you know, if you're smart or whatever, you could, your goal could be fame or your goal could be to be rich or really successful or whatever. And I'm like, those things all just seem futile to me. Cause like at the end of your life, you're going to stand before the Lord and you can't take any of that with you. Mm-hmm. So as a young person, that was kind of more the way that I was wired, which is the grace of God in hindsight. I realize now, you know, mm-hmm. my testimony is, fantastic because of the grace of God, not because I didn't, you know, do all the crazy stuff. And that was like a miracle. And then I got saved. I'm like, yeah, God, just his hand was on me and I wanted it to be, you know, so I wanted to stay growing in him and in his presence. And then, so in the destiny phase of like, what's my destiny, I was probably about 13 years old and felt like God speak to me that it was going to be something in music, which I loved music. I was already doing piano and already writing songs at nine years old and stuff Aww. like that. And so I know pretty crazy. So I thought, well, okay. So now I don't know what that means, but I know it's going to be something in music. Um, and so I'm like, I need to study theology, keep studying the word because, you know, we're accountable for every word we speak. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and when you, when you write a song, you're actually teaching something. Right. Yep. So I want those lyrics to be God honoring. Um, and I, I, I just need to know more about him, you know, mm-hmm. and then of course, practicing music and whatever. So that was kind of my focus um, throughout high school, even though I did lots of other things. I'm like, I think God's called me to music. I don't know what that looks like. Um, and then I really started to get vision for the local church. Right. So it's like, this isn't just about you and God doing, fulfilling your dreams really, you know, and you pursuing something because it's going to make you look amazing. I don't really want that either. And if my gift is for this local church, that would be kind of great, you know, because Mm -hmm. I want my life to speak of him. I want to advance his kingdom. I want to be about his glory, not mine. So why would I want to be traveling around on some stage disconnected from the church body? Mm-hmm. That seems like a recipe for disaster. Um, and so it, it's almost like when I resolved that is when we started going on the road. Like I met John, we started going on those. I'm like, isn't it funny how God, you know, teaches you something and then you, you conclude, well, that's going to mean that I'm just going to be here at the local church 
doing some outreach stuff and worship team. And then he's like, wait. And I'm like, wait a minute. You just taught me this. And now I'm doing this in this van. I don't I know. That so- my life is a series of all nevers. You know, I would never go to grad school. I would never write a book. I would <laughs> never start a ministry. I would especially not be in women's ministry. <laughs> and so I would never be a teacher. It's been like, check, 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 check. So I don't know. I think that's got sense of humor. Where they say, tell, tell the Lord what, you know, your plans, if you want to hear him laugh or something like that. <laughs> it's, it's for sure a wild ride. And then we said, you know, so we got married and, and then we said we'd never have kids on the road because it wasn't fair to them. So that was like our resolve that we would never, <laughs> I'll never check, check, <laughs> never have kids on the road. And then, you know, years into our marriage, let's see, I got married when I was 24 and I had my first at 30. So we waited six years, had no idea Skillet would still be going after yeah. six years. And then, but still we're never going to have kids on the road. And then John started having dreams that we had a baby and he's, t- he's not wired that way. He's not like mm-hmm. an overly spiritual guy. He's spiritual, but not overly spiritual. But then he started to have, uh, get excited about having a baby. And I was just like, I'm not even going to pray about this. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Like me having a baby on the road, like this is all going to be on me. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I already have so much on, I can't, you know, even fathom it. And so, but honestly, it was a couple of months of him still having the same dream. And then other people which doesn't have like this is the only time in our history with skillet that this happened mm. random people we met i had a dream that you had a baby or hey you know this person's whatever and and they had a dream or had a word or i was reading the bible and i thought yeah you're going to be a great mom honestly i'm like this is just madness to the point where i'm like i don't even need to pray about this because i know it's the lord but i'm not happy about that <laughs> <laughs> just being honest but you know you you hash those things out with the lord like all right if this really is you Mm-hmm. And I, we gave them like a month. So I had been on, you know, birth control, whatever, only just gotten off. Like we have this month because if I get pregnant in this month, it will be, I'll have the baby around our time. We used to have the same time off every year. Uh-huh. And honestly, God, I just got pregnant right away. So I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is the Lord. And, you know, so I guess the rest is, we have two kids um, yep. and we've been doing this skillet for 25 years and no sign of it stopping anytime soon. So I'm like, I know right, just it's wrap- incredible. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, wrapping your wrapping my head around what that would mean to have kids on the road. And I think sometimes you I'm not a super OCD person. Uh, I'm kind of more of like a we'll figure it out and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, I, if it's the Lord, then I need to do this with faith. Right. Because you yeah. can even if you know it's him you can choose to have fear or like start freaking out in your head headspace. <laughs> and I think that that's one thing, you know, I would encourage moms. Um, it's easy to to worry and have anxiety about your kids or you know the season of life that they're in or the season of life that you're in and do you get to spend enough time with them or did you do this right and now because you didn't now the xyz you know and for me i've learned to like be sober you know when i'm looking at myself and evaluating things but to also know, all right, this is anxiety kicking in, this is worry kicking in, this is fear kicking in. And if my heart is motivated by fear, the outcome is not ever going to be good, right? That's really good word. Just this idea of, we do need to be, you know, we don't want to like, you know, be all pro navel gazing because there's a whole lot of that going on in our society. But at the same time, yeah. time like just being self-reflective to say, you know what, I feel like this might be a physiological anxiety that's going on. This is not pointing to truth. This is not pointing to something that I need to focus on. And, and this is, you know, like, I don't know for the people that have read the first book that I have this time every night 
that's called I'm worthless o'clock, where all of a sudden when I start getting tired, for some reason, my body interprets that as I'm worthless. And like, I start thinking, oh, I messed up in this conversation today. I messed up in this today, or like, I should have done this. I should, and I'm just convinced that I'm just a big failure and I've never done anything that's of value. And John will be like, is it worthless o'clock? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, probably is. So it's just <laughs> that self-reflection of knowing when the emotions, mm-hmm. and especially as women, when the emotions are pointed into something that I need to pay attention to. And sometimes when they're pointing to the fact that I really need a nap or it's time to go to bed. Yes. Yeah. I love reading that in your book. I think I texted you right as I read it. I'm like, I can so <laughs> relate Do you have to it this. Too? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that'll be like, oh, I I recognize now what's happening, you know. Yep. So you got to know when to not believe yourself. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know yeah. Sometimes you don't believe yourself, and that's a good thing. Um, yep. So tell us about like the young ages, because I know that like moms with young children, I, I always joke about like you're basically your job description for like at least the first six years of being a mom is you are being exhausted. Like that is your job de- yep. description. Mm-hmm. We need someone who can do minimal functioning while exhausted. So. Uh, talk about having the kids while you're on the road and like, what was the thing that you feared was going to happen and what actually happened? Right. Well, I'll just start off by saying, you know, if, if I share things that I've done and your kids already past the the age where you could do, don't feel like any condemnation or like you've missed something like parenting is, is so difficult. Young kids, that was the, of all the hard seasons I've had in my life, the hardest Mm -hmm. of just trying to make it through. And I had been on the road, you know, for, what, six years before then in a van. Um, a you van? Know, you didn't even have the bus yet? <laughs> no, the van, we got the bus right around when we had kids. So okay, good. the van days where it's exhaust, it's kind of like college finals week yes. for like the whole time. Mm-hmm. And young kids was so much harder than that. And so anyways, if there are things throughout the seasons that I've done with my kids that you feel like you've missed, whatever, don't feel any kind of mission like you've missed it. Just know that God can meet you where you're at. And, you know, each kid is different. Like my daughter is so much different from my son Mm -hmm. and the way I parent them. There's cohesiveness, but there's also differences in like the way she hears and the way she thinks, the way he hears, the way he thinks. And so I just don't want any, anybody to come away with this, like, oh, I should have done that. And now it's too late, you know? So God can cover all of our mistakes. Amazing. His grace can cover it all. Mm -hmm. He, He can compensate for us. And that was one thing early on that, that I just, it was almost like a revelation, even though it sounds so dumb, (laughs) is that as concerned as I am for my kids, and like, I, I didn't want to have kids if they weren't going to serve God, you know, and I know you can't control that, but I like, I would rather just not have any than have kids that don't end up knowing him or loving him. And like I said, no, you can't control that. But, but early on, just realizing like, these are little people that God's entrusted me with, you know, and for all of the span of time, and location he's given me these people he already knows them like before Mm -hmm. they're in your room he knows them and he's more concerned for them than you are which Mm -hmm. really brought my mind at ease and almost like this is for me to steward and I'm gonna make mistakes yeah but um but he doesn't you know and he can cover my mistakes and he can shape them and mold them and part of his shaping and molding of them is being my kid Mm -hmm. you know having the mixture oh sorry I'm getting emotional having the mixture of, of DNA, you know, that is me and my husband who he brought us together in the right time as well. And for those of you who, who have adopted or fostered, like it's the same thing he knew and he entrusted those kids to you. So you just do your best, um, with them while you can, you know, and while you have the time and make the most of the time. Mm -hmm. Right. So 
Uh, I forgot the question. Was it, what did I do early on? <laughs> so like, what, what did that lunch. actually look like uh, and, uh, with them on, okay. on Twitter, especially in the younger years? How were you able to be intentional in those times? And then how were you able to continue to be intentional with them as they got older? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So for my daughter, she was three months old um, when she started back on the, on the road because we really didn't know any better. And we you know, I thought I'll be fine. I'm like one of those kind, like it's going to be fine. Three months should be plenty of time for me <laughs> to recover and take a, take a baby on the road. And we used to tour like even harder than we do now. So it was like, all right, we're going to figure this out. Um, uh, one thing that I've always believed and, and still do is that um, I, I think some people wait to teach their children about the Lord until they feel like their children can understand. Mm. And I'm like, you know, even where I'm at at how old I am, 49, and been walking with the Lord most of my life, there are things about God that I don't understand. <laughs> you know, yep. it's, it's, it's kind of dumb. like, he doesn't wait for me to have full capacity to understand him, to reveal himself to me. And so I thought, all right, even from the kids in my womb, I'm, I'm reading the Bible to them. Um, they're hearing me worship. They're hearing me sing the Lord. I want them exposed to his presence mm. because if they can taste who he is, they'll never walk away, you know? Yeah. So as much as I can do to get them to taste who he is, that's what I want to do. So I was intentional from the get-go, which doesn't mean that I was always, every day was like, blah, 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 because, you know, life is crazy, whatever. But um, with my daughter, I mean, we would watch, I would turn on, you know, praise videos. Mm -hmm. I would read scripture to her. The, um, what is that Bible? The Jesus Storybook Bible. Do you know of that? It's like, uh, I think Sally Lloyd-Jones. Okay. Just love it so much. Just read, you know, intentional about reading period, even classical music, like all the stuff to develop the brain. Like I'm, I'm doing, <laughs> got your baby Mozart going on. <laughs> always the baby Einstein, that whole deal. You know, she sat there because like our routing would be such that we, when we would wake up, when she would be up to feed or whatever, we would still be driving. Mm -hmm. So I've got to figure out what to do to like make this work. And then at, at the time, you know, the business side really moved over all the way into John's because the two of us own, own the business. Yeah. The business side moved all the way over into his court, any like publicity, media, all that stuff was more on him. And I was more focused on say, this is my baby. That's your baby run with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And he was probably, he wasn't used to being around babies. So he was probably happy about that. And I was happy about not having to do the other stuff. So yeah, then just as they developed uh, and, and got older, it really, the intention was always to get them in a place where they could experience God, you know, and I know it's not all about the experience because we would read the word. I'm like, you know what? Their brains are moving. And they're so sharp Yeah. as much as I can get them to memorize my daughter. I, from the time she could kind of talk, she had memorized Psalm 23, like the whole chapter. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I think kids have so much potential. We, yes. and we don't give them enough credit for they're their potential. So I'm like, they're sponges and they're so much more capable than we think they are. So I'm like, just throwing kind of like uh, as much Bible as I could get in there. Cause I mean, I don't know about you, but most of what I had memorized memorized as a kid, either yeah. like VBS or whatever, somebody makes you do it. And you're just like, Ugh. but then it's in there. I'm like, as much of the word of God as I can get in there. And as much, um, as I can facilitate her experiencing God. Yeah. So we would worship with the kids, like, you know, as they got older. So I think my daughter was probably six and my son was three, you know, well, here, here, let me give you this story. Like at our, our church is quite small. So if we were ever home, um, they don't have like kids stuff going on during the worship service, the worship time, the teaching they do, but the worship times at our church is pretty long. It's like an hour. Um, nice. and they'll do like a song. 
Yeah, they'll do like okay. a song and then they do like free worship moments in between, which if you're an adult, you know what's happening. But when you're like a six-year-old kid, you're just like, whatever. <laughs> so like, like some practical things we implemented is like, I want my kids to like revere the presence of God because he's holy. Yeah. And um, I don't want them to like take this for granted or not that they would on purpose, but like they need to know this is a place where God is here. So let's revere this. I don't want you coloring. I don't want you playing with mm. toys, running around, stuff like that. Now, no judgment on people who do. I know everybody, we have to figure out how to get through what we have to get through. And yeah. maybe your kids have different needs than mine. And that's fine. But my kids are like, we're not doing that. You're not eating snacks, nothing. Like right now, it's the presence of God. So what we would do is, you know, they'd sing a song. And then as they moved into the free worship moment, or even while they were singing it, John would, in kid lingo, explain to them how they how they could understand the song. So like, let's say the song was about the love of God and, yeah. you know, whatever. He would say, you know how you loved your Care Bears, you know, mm-hmm. as an example to my daughter. And you just never want anything to happen to your Care Bears. That's how, that's what this song means. You know, something to oh, where I they can that. relate and understand. And that, so that way she can start understanding what this means. So to her, she gets it, you know? Yeah. So we would do things like that with our kids, obviously praying for them too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're also your job as a parent is to figure out what your, the specific kids strengths and weaknesses are Yes, and kind of like really move, like strengthen their strengths and strengthen their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Right. So my daughter is quite, um, emotionally intelligent. Mm-hmm. She's clued in like when I was pregnant with her, God spoke to me, um, what I should name her, that her name will be Alexandria and that it means helper and defender of mankind and that she be full of his wisdom and power. Mm-hmm. So in my head, you know, with her, I'm like, I want to train her in the wisdom of God. And I want to be able to, like, I'll try to talk through things with her, even at a young age. And she was grasping them because she just like, she just wired she wired. That way. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the power aspect too. I mean, she, she has pray she really gets the Holy spirit, if that makes sense. And she's prayed for people and they've gotten healed. And so I don't know, like, it's just the way she's wired. My son is wired way different. Mm-hmm. And we wondered if he was autistic when he was younger, because mm-hmm. he really didn't even ever say anything until he was almost four years old before he started talking. We took him to like a speech therapist because we thought he might, you know, we don't know. And she was like, no, he just gets frustrated really easy, easily. So, mm-hmm. you know, try to help him with X, Y, Z. And he really kind of learned how to talk through playing um, PS3 Lego Batman. <laughs> Yeah, some of his first words were like Joker and Batman. <laughs> but um, yeah, so kind of like learning how to discipline that because you, you know we would, we would discipline him and then realize I, I don't think he understands why we're disciplining, right? Yeah. So how do we get through to him? We have to get through to him different. Alex, my daughter always wanted to please us. Yeah. So she was really easy to discipline. Like if she felt you were displeased, she would be mortified, you know, yeah. but he was just like, he's not getting it. He's throwing his Cheerios on the floor. I say, I, I, I would like the first time I ever had, like give him a little tap on the hand. He just like picked up his Cheerios and flung them on the floor. So I get his hand and I was like, no. And it was like such a light tap because I'm like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And he looked at me with his hand and he was just like, and slapped his own hand harder. I was like, well, that's not working with him so we got to figure out a different way but for him for him you know hearing God and all that kind of stuff didn't come as easy Mm -hmm. as it did for her then he thinks there's something wrong with him like Alex just seems to hear God all the time and I just don't and I don't know and 
whatever. So we, my husband and I, we were talking to him and whatever and praying for him that he would have an encounter with God too. And then Mm -hmm. that next Sunday we happened to be at church. I look over at him and he was just weeping. And it was a hymnish type song, like really deep theology about God's holiness. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, of course, like now knowing Zave, he's a very theologically minded, like if I, I read him Chesterton and he gets it, he's yeah. 16 now, but he's very theologically wired and more cerebral in the way that he understands God. Mm-hmm. And so of course, you know, now looking back on it, he was crying at this hymn and looking at me and saying, I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> Almost like God, yeah, God was moving on him. And then it's kind of like my job as a parent to say, Hey, like bring a little bit of like, that was actually God touching you because you were overwhelmed by his holiness, which is a wonderful thing. So I don't, each kid is different and each stage was different. And we had kind of like our routines, believe it or not, you know, like the bedtime routine was like always, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to pray with the kid. We're going to read, we're going to talk. We might memorize something and then we're going to pray together. That was like the routine every night. So even if I just rolled off stage with sometimes, you know, you're on a rock tour and it's like wild and you literally walk off stage and you're in the bus and it's like, all right, time to pray. Sometimes you're too tired. Like there's certain things I wouldn't not do. So we, this is what we always do. We memorize, we talk about the day. We talk about if, if God has done anything with you today, the encouragement, somebody that's on your heart from the tour, we pray for them all. And that was kind of like our, our consistent. I like having that something that it's like, you can be so flexible with all these other things, but there are certain things that you know, you're going to get every day. Like, um, it's been, I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously John and I don't have kids, so we've like started developing these systems together. And so this last year, one of the things that, um, or a couple of years ago, we started, we, we read at least one chapter of the Bible before we go to bed. And then starting last year, we said, I, 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 w- I was saying, I want to practice gratitude. I want to really lean into this concept of gratitude. As I was studying for the sexuality book and in the, uh, the mm-hmm. Romans one passage, I realized, man, that whole list of gnarly crap that comes uh, after it, it all starts with ingratitude. And they're, uh, it's mm-hmm. like, that's when their hearts were darkened and they gave themselves over to degraded body. It all started with ingratitude. So I was like, I really need to be cultivating gratitude in my life. So John and I, every night, even if we're apart, he'll text me, we'll say, what were you thankful about for today? And so it's this, even as an adult, having something that I know that this will happen every single day um, is mm-hmm. really comforting. And I know that kids just just crave that structure, but yes, it makes it to where, like if if something does happen, let's say that you're just knocked out with, you know, a bad flu, both you and John are knocked out with a bad flu and someone's having to do something, they miss that time. And so maybe they start doing it with each other, but it makes it to where it's a habit in their life. Um, and I, I think that's something that every mom can do. They can find what time of the day is it? Is it over breakfast? Is it over dinner? Is it right before bed? Let's be intentional. And it doesn't have to be all the things. It could just be, these are our mm-hmm. three things that we always do. We always read. We always talk about someone from the tour. We pray. And, you know, there you go. You have something that you're doing every day. And so that sounds extremely intentional to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, it, it could be overwhelming, like looking at how are we going to do this? But if you have a few systems in play, like you're saying, mm-hmm. all right, every, every day at bed, this is what we do. We read a chapter. We talk about the day we pray. And then it, it usually morphed into something. Sometimes it was just what it was. Sometimes it was amazing. Like my daughter, one time she was like, she would have, and sometimes I give them things to pray. Mm-hmm. So I'll have them like, you know, search me. Oh God, this is in both of my kids when they pray still before bed. They add this at the end, search me, oh God, to know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there be any offensive way I mean, lead me in the way everlasting. Like, all right, that's an amazing prayer. 
Yes. And so I'll throw some, st- I would throw stuff like that in, but one morning, uh, or sorry, one night during bed, I went in talking to Alex, I'm like, okay, it's bedtime. She has hiccups. She was probably eight years old is my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got hiccups. So she starts off her prayer by saying, Lord Jesus, I pray that you take away my hip- hiccups right now. And so then I'm thinking, oh no, um, I'm, I'm going through all of like, when the hiccups don't go away, how do I explain to her to still have faith when she prays? But, and that God can still heal, like that balance of like mm-hmm. how that works. I don't even, I, I didn't even pay attention to anything else that she prayed, but by the end of her prayer, her hiccups were gone. And the, oh. the thing is they were, it was like a crazy case of hiccups. So then I was amazed because my whole time I'm the doubter, like, oh man, how do I explain this to her? Yeah. Um, and, and they're so gone. She's forgotten. She prayed it. <laughs> so <laughs> She's about to go to bed. And I was like, do you realize that you prayed? that your hiccups will go away. And they did. And she was like, of course. So then we pray, like we add, let's thank the Lord. Cause he's done something. I don't know why, mm. but he did. And let's say, so like training your kids to be godly. It's like what you're saying. You're training yourself to be grateful, mm-hmm. thankful. It's the way that we're supposed to be in those little things, training your kids. And they learn the most really by watching you. Yeah. So you embracing that work of sanctification in your own life and it's not just about the things you verbally teach them, but it's about what you teach them in the way that you live, you know, too. It's just so important. Yeah. It's a, and you know what? You're going to mess up. And I, some of my, you know, strongest memories are the few times maybe my dad lost his temper or whatever and actually repented and apologized to me. I'm like, mm. you know what? That's powerful. You are, you're going to mess up, but this is how a godly person, when they mess up, this is what they do. I'm like, okay, yep. you know? I agree with that. I, I've, I've heard from some people that kind of are sort of like, no, you don't apologize to your kids because that, you know, shows weakness. It shows that you're, you know, I, I don't know. I just, it just has been, it felt weird to me whenever I kind of heard people say that they steered away from that. And I'm like, how are your kids going to learn how to repent unless they've seen it happen before? And this also goes back to this mm-hmm. idea that, um, kids are hardwired to think the best of their parents. And so I have seen so many instances, we'll just say like sometimes like in the foster system where this this kid's mom, you know, was selling her to different Johns and, uh, you know, would abuse her and all sorts of stuff. But you try to take the child away and no, she will do anything she can to get back with her mom. Because it's like, that's how it's wired. But I see this sometimes happen where there is some kind of religious abuse that's going on. um, Yes the child has a hard time distinguishing between faults that the parents made versus uh, God having those same faults. And so they don't know how to separate those things. And so I think as a parent, apologizing to your kids shows them the difference of um, even though, you know, I am trying to bring the Lord into your life and I'm trying to represent the Lord and I'm trying to steward you well, there are going to be mistakes that do not reflect mm-hmm. on who God is. And I am a fallen person. So later on, if something bad does go on and uh, you mm-hmm. end up hating me, at least it's not going to come over to also hating God because we've made that distinction. But I am not the, you know, the represent the representative of God for, you know, all mankind. It's just, I am a yeah. struggling person and I can admit when I'm flawed, I can admit when I'm wrong and this is how to repent. And I just think that is such a beautiful process to teach kids because um, a lot of times they just don't see it. And uh, we, yeah. need, we need more adults that know how to repent for to each other. And I think that would strengthen the body of Christ so much. Definitely. Yeah. And I think too that, um, well, obviously your listeners will know this, but we we're so influenced by our culture 
mm-hmm. too, in, in our thinking, even though we don't necessarily want to be. And our culture is very against any kind of authority. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just be honest. Parental authority, they're against it. And I think that, um, you know, whatever love means um, to culture is different than biblical love. You know, I'm just reading a proverb this morning. It always talks about disciplining your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. It's the rod of correction. Like <laughs> you, like it, don't shy away from being like a strong parent. Like if you, mm-hmm. even as my kids are young, it's like, if I lose control now, like they have to know that we are in charge mm-hmm. and that it's not evil or harmful or whatever society says that it is now mm-hmm. um, to, to be the parent. Yeah. Kids want boundaries. They feel safer with boundaries. If you have ever seen where boundaries aren't in play as much anymore with your kids when they're younger, they don't, whatever, when you enforce those boundaries again, they feel safe. You think that they're going to feel robbed. They feel safe. They need, you know, that structure. Structure is actually a great thing. Yes. Even though I think our culture now acts like it's harmful and, oh, you're putting boundaries on me and it's toxic. And I'm like, Parents are parents. You're supposed to be the boss in the home and your kids will flourish. Mm-hmm. If those things, if the authority structure is in place in the way it should be, your kids will actually flourish. Yep. So yes, it, discipline and apo- apologize when you do something wrong. It's not weakness. Um, and you don't have to pander. Like you're the parent, you're the boss. Yep. You're running the ship and you you can do it the best. And the amazing thing is it's almost like you have a cheat because your kids are biased for you. Like you're saying, yeah. like it's wired in their DNA to like, love you. It's almost like you, not that you can't do any wrong, but <laughs> you, you've got a leg up in that, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're actually for you and they, they want your approval, even when they act like they don't as a teenager or whatever, Very they true. actually do because it's the way that they were created. It's yep. like God's structure of the fa- It's a family sphere, you know? So anyways, I, I think sometimes we can be like, well, it's not loving to, that it is loving to discipline. Yeah. It will, no. it will save, it will save your kids, you know, it, it will help them to not be foolish. Yeah. This enforcing, the idea that enforcing child. boundaries is not loving is, I don't know, like when your kid's 25, then you can be their best friend beforehand. Uh, you know, yeah. like I, I had a, a woman that I know that is, is not a believer, but she's still a dear friend of mine post recently. She's like, mom, I'm finally the cool mom. I'm finally the cool mom. And there's part of me going, Oh, what did you just agree to do? <laughs> uh, like, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. it's okay to be the cool mom, you know, present. anyway, maybe I'll cut yeah. that out. <laughs> Depending on all of what that means. Yes, yeah. Yes, with yes. my kids too, like basically like the overall, it, I was very intentional with them at all mm-hmm. times when it was to do with the Lord, you know? Yeah. So I would even read, um, books about missionaries they have like kid versions I love like those when I was a kid I love all those. of it I think that was one of the things that gave me this idea like I never grew up this idea with this idea that being a Christian meant that you didn't suffer <laughs> it's like the number of people really? who kind of assume that they're not supposed to go through suffering as a Christian I'm like uh I'm not sure you know what you signed up for you're here like, I think the bible is full of that but I don't know <laughs> yeah I, know. I think you're <laughs> promised trials and tribulation more than anything else but uh yeah. So I think those stories of the, that's a great idea. The stories of the, the missionaries, I think that kind of gives them this idea of what we're up against from the very beginning. So right, that's beautiful. Well, we're about out of time, but I just want to say, say thank you so much for coming on. I've enjoyed our conversation and um, yeah, if anyone has any other questions, uh, update, I'm sure I'm going to have Corey on again. So feel free to leave stuff in the comments and uh, we'll try to make that happen for the next one. So I'm just going to pray us out real quick, if that's okay. 
Father God, I thank you so much for this time with Corey, Lord. I thank you for the ministry uh, that she does, both with her children and with Skillet, Lord. I know that they're um, she and she and John, her husband, Lord, are really standing firm in some really dark areas in culture. And we just pray that you would put your hand of blessing on them, that uh, they would continue to be able to speak the message that you have for them to speak, Lord, to be strong and to just be uh, kind of that radical voice, Lord, um, in a world that is just walking away from you completely, Lord. I thank you, Lord, uh, just what we've been able to learn from her about having busy schedules and creating intentional times. We pray for all the moms that are having crazy schedules on their own here, Lord, that they you would just put it on their heart. What is the thing that you want to be doing that is going to disciple, that is going to shepherd their child the way that they were made? And I pray that you would give them just divine insight in how their child's brain works so that they can begin partnering with you, Lord, to develop their child the way you created their child to be. And I thank you for the way that you have, you know, put the hearts of the children towards their parents, Lord, that that is in our favor, Lord. And I just pray that um, you would you would be having sweet times with the moms, that they would be able to learn how to walk out that joy, to walk out that worship, to walk out that um, discipleship and that repentance before their children, Lord, because that is where their children are going to learn this, Lord, prioritizing the scripture, prioritizing worship, prioritizing um, learning about you, Father God, that we don't have to do everything, but they, we can do some things, Lord. And I just pray that you would show everyone what is their thing that you want to make um, a habit that is going to be um, just building a lifelong, um, I don't know, a bond between the, them and their children and between their children and you, Father God. And we do thank you that you are the good, good Father, Lord, that um, you are the one that that really causes the growth, Lord. We do our best with uh, with cultivating and discipling, Lord, but you are the one who causes the growth. And I thank you, Lord, that that is not all on our shoulders, Lord. We release that to you and we proceed with our tasks, Lord, with joy. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com. We hope you learned a little more about how to sift through ideas, accept the good, reject the bad, and now you can go teach your kids to do the same. Do you have any questions or maybe some ideas about future podcast episodes? Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we'll do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, mama bears. We are all in this together.